Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today. For anybody you're watching or listening from, if this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. We fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, Happy New Year. We're officially into 2022 now, and I hope you had a great holiday season. For anybody you're watching or listening from here today, a new year always brings new beginnings, right? And one of the things we do here at Radiant Church every year as we begin with 21 days of prayer. And that starts tomorrow and it runs through Sunday, January 23rd. You can follow some daily prayer points on our socials. You can also download a prayer guide that we've kind of put together for you. Uh, if you're watching on our website, just click the prayer guide attachment that's on the same page as this message. If you're on YouTube or the podcast, you want to visit RadiantChurchSC.com and click 21 days of prayer. You can download the prayer guide there. So New Year's are just great places to recalibrate and at Radiant Church we plan on doing the exact same thing the first month of every year. We want to recalibrate spiritually to remember who we are and why we do what we do. We did a series last January called Four Cups which detailed our mission and why we're why we're here. And you know our mission is built around four key steps we want every person to experience. We want every person to first know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. But this year I couldn't really escape a prodding that I believe God's Spirit um, was placing inside of me. So I kept returning to the book of Daniel over and over and over and over again. And I just couldn't escape it. So uh, we're starting an 11-week study today in Daniel. Now, I don't know if we're going to cover all of Daniel in 11 weeks. And, and if we don't, that's okay. We'll actually come back to it and finish it later in the year. Now, why Daniel? So why, there's a lot of books in the Bible. Why is Daniel so important? Well, Daniel is unique among the Old Testament books. And, and I'll get into who Daniel was in a moment, but this book has both a historical narrative and a prophetic message to it. The first six chapters deals exclusively with Daniel and his time in Babylon, and it's filled with messages and takeaways that are very applicable to our world today. How do you live your faith out in a culture you know, which is hostile? Um, how do you do it with a system of government, which is doing all that it can to drive in one direction and crush your faith at the same time? How do you use the culture you currently live in to reach the culture? How do you find the courage and faith to stand for what you believe in, knowing that it could cost you everything? The second half of the book deals with end times prophecy, something that theologians call eschatology, and that means the study of last things. This is likely the section of Daniel that we're going to slow down the most in because I really want you to understand you know, with an open mind what Daniel is referring to in this section. Much of eschatology is actually a theory, but we tend to treat it as fact. It's the least understood area of study in theology, but since it holds the destiny of humanity and the divine, it's obviously the most fascinating and the most captivating part of theology. And so Daniel is the most you know, quoted book in, the, in Revelation, if you knew that or not. Yeah, in fact, the same Jesus that John sees is the same one that Daniel sees, only Daniel calls him the Ancient of Days. Now, I truly believe that 
you know, we're at a crossroads as followers of Christ. I, I know every generation says that they have for centuries, you know, but ours, ours is no different. We, we're, gonna, we're saying the same thing, but, but too much in our culture and our government and our world is aligning together for us to ignore. And so this study will help us learn and better understand how to live for Christ in our current and future situation and help us to trust God's providential hand at work in the future course of events, which are yet to take place, but very well could in our own lifetimes. So let's start with who Daniel is, and then we'll tackle uh, Daniel chapter 1, okay? Um, so, so, so Daniel's a noble. He's a noble in the kingdom of Judah. Now Israel had split into two kingdoms after King Solomon's death. Israel to the north and Judah to the south. King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire, they come onto the scene in 605 BC and they conquer Judah. And the king, Jehoiakim, is deposed. And it's said to have been that he was executed by Nebuchadnezzar, though we can't really prove that. All the nobles and most of the royal family are taken into exile at this point. That includes Daniel and his friends. A second deportation happens in 597 BC. That includes the remaining nobility and many of the priests. Ezekiel would have been in the wave of exiles that left that time. The third and final siege results in the complete destruction of Jerusalem that Jeremiah predicted. Most of the people are carried into exile and only the poorest of the poor are left in the land. Now, Daniel chapter 1 deals with this question. How do you live godly in an era where culture has so massively shifted away from God? Uh, we wrestle with this question a lot, don't we? What you're going to see in the first half of this book is, is just how frequently Daniel and his friends come into conflict with Babylonian law because they choose to live a different way than the way that they're being told to live. So look at Daniel chapter 1, verse number 1. All right? During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and he placed them in the treasure house of his God. Babylonia, by the way, is Iraq and Babylon is right outside of what is today Baghdad, just to give you an idea. Verse number three, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said, and make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Verse number five, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years. And then they would enter the royal service. All right. Now, when the culture shifts, here's a big question I want you to think about today. When the culture shifts, will you? You know, culture is constantly shifting and changing. It's never the same, but God never changes. And the question that all of us wrestle with on a near daily basis really comes down to this. Will you change with the culture and ask God to change with it or not? You might think that you'll wrestle with this question at all, this issue, but, but there are some characteristics about God and some passages of Scripture, some values, which are very uncomfortable in our world today. And instead of embracing who God is, we make, you know, shameful excuses. <laughs> well, God didn't mean that. Or the Bible doesn't speak to this issue today. I mean, if God were to put those words down today, they would mean something entirely different. And what we do is we modify or we change God to fit our context in our times. Now, you don't modify God to change with you. Though you do modify yourself 
the change of God. We don't live in Babylon today, not literally speaking, but the same kind of spirit really does permeate our world. And the enemy is shifting our culture in every area to things which just aren't godly. And my hope in this teaching and really throughout much of the first half of this series is you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to show and convict you of some things that need to change in your life so you can connect with God on a much deeper and more intimate level. And so Daniel and his friends, they're in this environment. The culture has dramatically changed, right? That makes sense. They've been exiled to Babylon from Judah. They've just been told they're part of a group of Jewish exiles who are selected to enter the king's service as advisors. And so the first thing the king's chief of staff does, Ashpenaz, remember that name, Ashpenaz, he, what he does, he assigns new names to these exiles. And we're given what these names are in the next verse. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse number 7. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Now, if you were here for our first week of Christmas at the movies, or, or you, you listened to it last month, you're familiar with this part of the story because we covered it back then. And I'll just briefly touch on it one more time for those of you who weren't here. But the names are intentional because they're attempts by the Babylonians to strip away who these young men were. It was an effort to take away their very identities in a very humiliating fashion uh, as well. And so Daniel's name, uh, it, it meant God is my judge. Who can judge me about God? You know, pre pretty great name. His new name, Belshazzar, it meant Bel or Lady, protect the king. So we're shifting focus away from God to man here. Hananiah meant God is gracious, but it was changed to Shadrach, meaning I am fearful of God. And so we're shifting from God being good and gracious and holy to, you know, evil and fearful, right? Mishael meant who is what God is, meaning there's no one like God, but it was changed to Meshach, which means despised and humiliated. Another shift. This time it's away from confidence. There's no one like God. Who is like God? Nobody. To cowardice. And finally, Azariah meant God has help, but that was changed to Abednego, which means slave of Nebo. And this shift marks another move away from God, this time, you know, being to a slave of an idol, a false deity. As the enemy works to shift culture away from God, he seeks to bring as many people with him as possible. And one of the very first things which happens when culture shifts is an attempt to destroy your identity in Christ. It's an attempt to rename you from who God made you to be what the cult, to what the culture thinks you should be like. And so if you don't know who you are, if others uh, are around you, they're going to tell you who you are, right? If you can't embrace who God says you are, you will almost certainly embrace who the enemy convinces you that you are. So if you're unsure of your place in this world, and if you're trying to figure out who you are, let's just start with the first step of how to find your identity, okay? You need to know God. Everything starts with knowing Him. And then you need to find freedom from the things which can keep you from living out that identity in Christ. And when you discover your purpose and begin to use that purpose to make a difference, well, then you've begun to really embrace and live out your God-given identity. But when the culture shifts, man, you better know who you are. I can tell you this, you won't make it. Daniel and his friends knew who they were. Uh, they may have been given new names and attempt to erase their identities, but you cannot erase what God has etched into your very soul. And they knew eating many of the items to the king's table, it violated how God instructed them to live. Most of the food and the wine have been offered to Babylonian idols and deities first, 
before being set to the king's court. So Daniel and his friends knew they couldn't eat or drink anything which had been offered to a false deity. God had completely forbidden that. So, so look at verse number eight. But Daniel determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. So we asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. I want you to notice what, what Daniel doesn't do here. He doesn't shout in Ashpenaz's face that he's, he's, he's going to hell. He doesn't protest and, and boycott. He doesn't try to prove he's right and the king is wrong. He asks permission to disobey the king's order. Now, some of you live by the mantra, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, which is a fool's errand, by the way. Do not live that way. That's not how Daniel lived. All right. When the culture shifts, they'll try to tame you. They'll try to lure you into something you know is wrong. It gets you to be part of a pat to go along with the rest of the group. And this can happen, by the way, whether you have strong convictions or, or no convictions. Strong convictions can still excuse me, stubbornly leads you in the wrong direction. And no convictions can guarantee you'll go whichever way the rest of the group follows. The best way to make sure you're heading in the right direction is to put God first. So we start off, you know, the year every year at Radiant Church with 21 days of prayer because we want to put God first as a church community. Uh, we do it again in August because we're coming out of summer and we, you know, we're on vacations and relaxing. It can be easy to get sidetracked and we want to put God first before school and the holidays and our routines kind of all get back into gear. If you put God first, your strong convictions will lead you in the right direction. And if you don't have convictions, well, the Holy Spirit will provide them for you, okay? So when the culture shifts, don't lose your convictions. Let God's Spirit speak to you about what is right. And that's really the key here. Your convictions can still be wrong. So let God's Spirit speak to you about what is right and then follow Christ. And when that happens, and you choose to follow God's convictions and not live according to the culture, you begin to build influence. Look at the influence that Daniel begins to build with Ashpenaz, verse number nine. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. That's influence right there. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord the king is ordered that you have to eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Whew. Tough, tough, tough gig, right? <laughs> Fear is gripping Ashpenaz, and with good reason. But because Daniel had begun to gain influence, he speaks to the chief of staff, and he asks that for the next 10 days, he's given only vegetables and water, and the chief of staff, watch this, he'll comply. Verse number 12, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. That's where we get the Daniel fast from, by the way. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food and then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and he tested them for 10 days. Now 10 is typically associated with testing in scripture. You have 10 commandments, you know, we're, we're told to give 10% of our income as a tithe to the Lord. The disciples and others were in the guest room uh, of someone's home for 10 days before the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. So when the culture shifts, here's what you can take to the bank, okay? Hey, you're going to get tested. That's right. You're going to get tested. There will always be a moment where the culture gets in your face and you'll have a decision to make in, in a very difficult time. Do I go there, right? Do I do that? Or do I do what's right and do what God says? And that happens because what the culture is trying to do here is trying to claim you as its own. And the pressure will mount when the testing gets tougher. 
But if you can be like Daniel and his friends, if you can be determined to firmly stay rooted in who God is and who you are in Christ, if you can follow God's convictions and put him first, you can overcome any test that is thrown your way. Verse number 15, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier, better nourished than the young man who had been dealing with the food assigned by the king. And so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided for the others. Watch how God supernaturally here rewards Daniel and his friends for their faithfulness and their obedience. Look at what happens in the very next verse in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. God gave these four young men unusual, supernatural we could say, aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. Verse 18, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them, and no one impressed them as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service, and whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the other magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. That's important, and we'll come back to Cyrus towards the end of the story of Daniel, which wraps up later on. I love how verse number 20 describes Daniel and his friends' wisdom. They were 10 times better than all the advisors in the king's service. Can I tell you that what God offers you is always 10 times better than whatever the world and the culture offers you. So as you go to work, and as you go to school, and the golf course, the ball field, you hang out with friends, you're gonna encounter an opposing culture. And the question is, will you change with it or will you change it? Are you going to set the culture or reflect the culture? Resist the temptation, by the way, to separate in isolation during all this. You can't change the culture around you if you're not a part of it and you're not in it. So be the thermostat instead of the thermometer. Embrace your identity from who God says you are, not who the world says you are. There's a very public identification with Christ. It's not private, you know, for your home life. If you're a Christian, you I mean you're a Christian at home and at work and at church and at school, in the doctor's office, even the DMV, man, okay? So learn a lesson from a group of Jewish young men who lived in a culture which was not too dissimilar from our own here today. Don't change with the culture change with God and allow him to use you to change the culture around you. But that can't happen if you're first not a follower of Christ. And so perhaps you're watching and listening here today and say, Pastor, I want to make a decision today to say yes to God. I want to influence people. I want to change the culture. I want to start with my own life because change starts with you. It's like the old song Michael Jackson saying, starting with the man in the mirror, right? Asking him to make a change. That's so true. Change starts with you. So that's you today. I want to lead you in a prayer. As you can say in your own words, I'm going to model it. But it's going to, we're going to ask Christ to become our Savior, save us from our sins and our wrongs, and then become our Lord. Lord, meaning we're no longer calling those shots on our lives. It's going to be God who does that for us from now on. We're going to follow and submit ourselves to Him. And if we can do that, that's step number one, to being part of God's kingdom. Okay? 
So pray with me along uh, wherever you're at, driving, working out, wherever you are, in your own words. Pray along with me. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, I pray today for those who would say, I, I want to start with, with me. The change has to happen with me, and I want to say yes to Christ. Lord, for those folks right now, would you give them the courage? Because it takes a lot to admit that, one, they're wrong. Two, they need a Savior. Three, they can't do this on their own. Lord, help them make the right steps to following after you and living a life, God, that is wrapped up in you. In fact, if that's you right now, you're going to say a prayer in your own words that goes something kind of like this. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the wrongs that I've done, for the things I know that have violated your standards, have gone against you. Lord, I, I pray you would take these wrongs and these sins I've committed. God, would you forgive me of every wrong? Forgive me of every sin. Would you cleanse my heart and my soul? Would you give me a new start? Give me a new, fresh start and new life, I pray. And Lord, from this day forward, I no longer want to call the shots and lead myself. Lord, I want to follow after you. I'm going to follow your leading and your guidance. May you take me where I need to go. From this day forward, I submit myself to you, and I'm going to follow you, God, with all my heart and all my soul. Thank you for each person, Lord, who said that prayer. Thank you for each person, God, out there who's already following you and serving you. May we stand out and live in the culture and change the culture. Be the thermostat, not the thermometer. May we set it and not reflect it. God, may we learn that lesson from Daniel and his friends, Lord, and be light in a dark world. We love you. We praise you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.